to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this week I'm joined by my friend, Laura, and we're taking this show in a totally different direction, and we're just basically going to write fan fiction for our favorite show ever, You know, the like you do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank you so much, Laura. I feel like I'm always reaching out to you when I have these like crackpot ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for that. I'm really the crackpot to reach out to. And I feel like the only other person who has as much love for the office as I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's possible. I realized recently I've been watching this show over and over for like well over 10 years. So I'm like, um, <laughs> this is I, I'm really uncomfortable with how many times I've seen the show. <laughs> Do you have it? Like, do you own it? Yes. So Netflix ditching it. So you were not affected. Yeah, I was a, uh, I used to watch it with my sick cat back in the day and he died in like 2012. Um, And that was, you know, to the point where it was already a comfort show. So I'd been watching the first few seasons for years on a portable DVD player. (laughs) I actually think I came in at season five. Wow. Weirdly. Yeah. Um, I got the season from the library and then I just like fully went in, started back at one and like jumped into it there. I really have no memory other than I watched the UK one first and I really have no memory of where I came in on the US one. It's like it's always been there. (laughs) So for this episode, um, I actually have gotten people asking for office themed episodes. Really? I really have. I really have. That is not a lie. It's not like when influencers are like, um, I know a lot of you are asking about my morning routine. <laughs> like, I, I really have. <laughs> um, and so we just wanted to write fan fiction yes. <laughs> for The Office. Yes. So we had a few different ideas on how to approach it. So what we ended up on is that the scenario for this is that Gabe who if you watch the show you know he's a big horror fan he has a mandate from corporate that they have to have a team building exercise every month so he decides to make it a horror book club so each month someone has to pick a book and they discuss it Woo! I mean this would obviously (laughs) happen right we're not yeah this isn't based on like how probable it is Well, nothing on the office is that probable. So I think we're okay there. Joe is like just happy that there's something for Gabe to do. She like doesn't care and will not listen to any complaints about it. Exactly. Yeah. As long as they're doing something down there and they are selling printers. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. 
Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer. You get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. So, do you want to start us off by talking about who could arguably be the main character of the show? Michael Gary Scott. <laughs> yes, I was going to say Mr. Mr. Michael Gary Scott. <laughs> World's best boss. Okay, Stephanie. This was like I thought and thought and thought about this forever and it ended up like I was laying in bed, I was having like migraine symptoms and all of my senses were really bugging me out I had to be in darkness (laughs) with nothing going on so I really really thought about it in my mind and I thought okay what I couldn't think what to do or what angle to take it from so I thought what would Michael do if he actually had to be in a horror book club so my thought was he would probably first try to get out of reading anything by saying he was broke because he bought like multiple magic sets and Jan made all those candles and stuff like that but then in the conversation Pam would tell him you know there is the library and (laughs) he would try to play it off like he goes there all the time and he reads all these classics And he would say he just didn't want to deprive the homeless and destitute of the books at the library. Because what if someone was deeply depressed and they came to the library as a last stop to warm their hands before they ended it all? And what if the book that he was going to check out would have caught their eye and captured their imagination and turned their whole life around? So then (laughs) Kevin would say, like... A horror novel would inspire a suicidal person to turn their life around and Michael would like be really defensive and cut him off and say it's about the joy of reading Kevin God and (laughs) he would say these people wouldn't understand and he would turn around and walk out kind of like when he was going to have the big surprise which was not ice cream sandwiches in that uh, that episode and wasn't even a mine shaft ride <laughs> yeah not, not even that and um he would turn around on his heel and walk out and say he had quote-unquote finian's rainbow in his sebring to return anyway so he had to go to the library and then maybe it would show ryan who had just cleaned out the car like shaking his head like no that's not in there and he gets to the library 
and we see him signing up for a library card for the very first time. And the adult books are actually upstairs, but Michael never notices that there are multiple floors because he sees all the toys and fun stuff in the kids section. And he like plays with the puppets and there's like wooden trains that he like zooms along, plays with kids a little bit. And then he walks slightly past like Goodnight Moon and the picture books to what he thinks is the adult horror section. But what he sees on the end cap is the haunted mask, Goosebumps number 11. And it really catches his eye because it's like very colorful. It looks very scary. And he picks it up without even really thinking about it or definitely not noticing that he's still in the middle grade area. He goes to check out and the librarian like jokingly says it looks like someone's in for a scary evening but he just like looks at the camera like this affirms yes this is a very scary book it's going to be a great idea for this book club (laughs) and at home he opens it up and he's just gonna like thumb through and see what happens so he can kind of bs his way through it but he actually gets hooked and you kind of see like a montage of him you know reading the entire book and like getting a drink and being kind of like under the cover scared and everything and um maybe there would be like a talking head about reading is so magical and it transports you to another world like one of those um talking heads where he's talking about something that he wants you to think he has believed and experienced all along when clearly he is not there's maybe like a cut to him marking it as red on his goodreads but it shows you that it's like one of an absurd goal of like 400 books that he's read and he closed it really (laughs) fast and then He goes to bed, but he realizes he's scared by the book just, like, sitting there, you know, with the scary mask on the cover. And he has to turn it face down, and he doesn't sleep well. Then, (laughs) at the discussion, he walks in, and he's all ready to talk about this serious horror novel that was very scary. And about the themes, like, missing Halloween. But people's comments, like, revealed to him that it was a children's book. And he just makes jokes about how the mask on the cover looks just like Toby. And finally, like, he's he's deflecting so hard that it is, you know, a, an adult novel or, like, not wanting to talk about that aspect that everyone just, just gets disgusted and leaves. And he just maybe yells over their shoulders as they're leaving that I just didn't want to alienate anyone by picking something above their reading level, like in case they never learned to read. And then Oscar is like, you think you may have hired someone who's been working for years on these computers out here, but you never noticed they're illiterate. And so Michael like drops it. And that's pretty much the end. <laughs> I don't think any of my scenarios are quite this thought out (laughs) and detailed. Like this was like literal like camera shots and angles and zooms and very well. I cut it down a little bit. I was just like, this is all I can picture. I can't picture like a pick and like reasons why in a bulleted list. All I can picture is an entire scene, like basically a B plot. And I just went with it. I was like, okay, well... You were in the NBC writer's room. I was. I was in the zone, if nothing else. The caffeine zone. (laughs) I love it. And I I can 100% see it. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Next up for Toby. Fun Toby. I would say even as a participant during the book club, even when it's not his book, he tries to bring everything back to the novels that he's writing uh, about Detective Chad Flunderman. Yes. He's like, this reminds me of a story that I wrote and like Detective Chad Flunderman in my novels would actually. <laughs> this is similar to. <laughs> so you and I landed on something kind of fun for Toby. We went with Last Days by Brian Evanson. Because we thought he would like some kind of mystery. And I think the fact that he writes these detective novels, he does lean towards this like hard boiled, gruff, like PI style. Yes. Yeah. He likes the type um, of horror. Though, I'll pound you in the mush, see? Like that type of uh, <laughs> novel. <laughs> and it's a horror take on that. So I think it works pretty well. It's hard to talk about Last Days without really getting too much into it. It's described as a down-the-rabbit-hole detective novel set in an underground religious cult. The story follows Klein, a brutally dismembered detective, forcibly recruited to solve a murder inside a cult. As Klein becomes more deeply involved with the group, he begins to realize the stakes are higher than he previously thought. Attempting to find his way through a maze of lies, threats, and misinformation, Klein discovers that his survival depends on an act of sheer will. Mm. So how would people react to this? So this is, this is his pick. Everyone reads it. Uh, they come into the meeting upset because it's about these cults that revolve around amputation. Mm. And Toby's like, no, you don't get it. This is... That's not a Toby voice. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually kind of good, though. It was kind of on the on the right track. You don't get it. This is a horror take on the classic hard-boiled detective novel. It's cold, emotionalist, protagonist, snappy dialogue. The storyline doesn't follow all the established rules for mysteries. Michael says, oh, big surprise. Toby decided to share his amputation fetish with us. Hope everyone enjoyed it. And Toby gives up and leaves. Creed liked it, I will add. Yes, I think Creed would love it and probably stay in his chair while everyone else is leaving. Uh, I think Angela might be crying <laughs> when this one's being discussed. Angela DNF'd this one, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Angela Martin did not read this. <laughs> All right, do you want to take on our favorite Enneagram 6? Oh, yes, I have to. Uh, <laughs> Dwight Kurt Schrute. Uh, I would say might read The Collector by John Fowles, which is a it's a kidnapping story. It is about a guy named Frederick Clegg who is obsessed with a girl named Miranda. She's like a college student and he ends up winning the lottery and he decides, you know what, I'm going to make her fall in love with me. Like, I guess, Beauty and the Beast style. <laughs> And I think that Dwight has some things in common with Clegg, which is not a very nice thing to say about Dwight, really. Um, he's kind of a weird dude. He's a loner. He's pretty isolated, like how Dwight lives on his beet farm. And he has odd hobbies, which we know <laughs> Dwight has plenty of, like baking corn husk dolls. He really takes control of the situation, like how Dwight would do, um, for instance, in his fire drill, um, when he decides to kidnap this girl. Um, and while Dwight didn't physically kidnap Angela, he tried to kind of metaphorically kidnap her when he snuck a marriage up on her and decided he wanted to reproduce and uh, made that baby contract with her. That's kind of a... Um, I mean, also, 
maybe spoilers, but Moe's literally kidnaps Angela. Well, that is true. <laughs> it's in the family. I don't know if we can spoil the office. I think that that's something that we're just going to have to have out there. <laughs> Someone in the Facebook group said they just started it. So oh, I'm gosh. Sorry. Oh, my God. Turn this episode off, girl. Guy. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> um, anyway, uh in along that line, Dwight is a big planner, like Frederick Clegg is. He thinks things all the way through, but their weakness is that they don't really get how the human components of their plans are going to react or uh, account for that. And a thing about Clegg, um, the reason it's called the Collector is because he kills butterflies and collects them. And I was thinking, you know, Dwight killed Sprinkles. <laughs> and butterflies do not provide milk or wool or meat. So, you know, same logic. Frederick Clegg presents Miranda the things that he thinks she will like. Like Dwight giving Angela garbage, the feral barn cat, and offering to cook her bland foods like cauliflower and noodles. But he doesn't really get that... What he did isn't really balanced out by these nice things he's giving her. How do we think everyone would react to this book? Um, I think some might be pretty creeped out. I could see uh, Kelly maybe thinking it's romantic that someone went so far out of his way. And the fact that he is rich once he wins the lottery. And I think that uh, it is kind of a, I don't know if I want to say classic, but it's a well-written and well-regarded book. So some of the members of the Finer Things Club might kind of like it. Um, But it is fairly disturbing. Um, I also feel like Meredith might pop up with a comment that, like, you know, someone kidnapped her one time, but they ended up giving her back or something like that. So I think it would have, you know, a medium reception. All right. And then moving on to Kevin Malone. Okay. So for Kevin, I went a specific direction. I was toying with an idea, but we ended up giving that book to someone else because the only book that we ever do see Kevin reading throughout the series (laughs) is the official Twilight cookbook. But if you all remember the During the Robert California run, there is a Halloween episode where Robert California goes around and figures out everyone's fears and then puts all of those fears into like a weird story that he tells everyone. And like Meredith says that she's scared of Jim skeleton. (laughs) Jim reminds her of a skeleton. Wow, you should have made me rewatch that for this uh, episode because I don't watch the <laughs> late season ones very often. Yeah, you'll have to just like watch. Yeah, just that just episode. That uh, yeah, I'll track it down. I was going to say just that scene, but I'm like, it's not even a scene. It's the whole episode. He's like going around and collecting this information <laughs> from people. Um, and um, Kevin says that he is scared of mummies but that's fine because mummies aren't real and everyone's like yes they are (laughs) and he's like no they're not he's like yeah like haven't you ever been to a museum and they have mummies there and kevin is aghast at this news and he says why would they put mummies in a museum Which, annoyingly, is something I yell every time I see mummies in a museum. Oh, <laughs> like, God. 
even I wouldn't be able to be there for you if I was at the museum. I would be like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> it is a reference purely for my husband. <laughs> so... Along a similar Michael Scott line, I thought of the only mummy book I have ever read in my life, <laughs> and that is Return of the Mummy by a Mr. R.L. Stein. Oh, he is really getting a lot of reading time from these people. Um, I think everyone is grateful for like an easy, you know, under 100 pages read. Um, they like to engage with it, and they... You know, applaud Kevin for really facing his fears head on with this. Yes. And he can. We know that the Scranton Library carries the Goosebumps series so he can hear the librarians say, these are due back Thursday. <laughs> and he looks at the camera like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think the next character we should get to is Jim Halpert's. And we thought classic Stephen King would be a good way to go for this one because Jim's kind of an everyman character. Um, and I think Pet Cemetery would work best. The family is very average. They both have two children in the end. Uh, well, <laughs> not to spoil anything. Like about, what? <laughs> not to spoil anything about Pet Cemetery. Um, and it would have been a completely average family with nothing horrifying happening, just like a contemporary novel, if it hadn't have been for the accident, then kicked everything off. Um, for some reason, I could not get it out of my head that they buy a new house because Jim buys his parents' house. So that, is, that was one of my reasons. Um, and the main character of Pet Cemetery, Lewis, he originally doesn't take the cemetery very seriously, the way that Jim, I don't think, would. And at first, he kind of thinks it's a superstition, or even that it's kind of dumb. And even when the first event uh, regarding the cemetery happens, kind of proving that it's a real thing, he just kind of brushes it off and takes it casually the way that Jim takes things. Um, I can actually kind of see uh, if Jim were Lewis, uh, the protagonist, I can kind of see him making like the Jim face at the camera when the neighbor Judd is explaining <laughs> the whole mythology behind the cemetery. So that was my thinking there. I can see that. Also, in their, like, lottery dreams, they are Stephen King characters, as <laughs> Pam notes. <laughs> because his fantasy is they live in Maine, and he, like, ki either kayaks to his job at the bike shop or bikes to his job at the kayak rental place. <laughs> that is so true. They actually just get closer and closer, like, the more idealized that they get. So, if nothing horrifying yeah. happened, they would literally be a Stephen King family. I think Pam might be upset by this pick. She is definitely upset, but I think it's an interesting pick because it is like parental horror, but it's also a really interesting look at the marriage and how they have certain views of death before this happens. Yes. And like Rachel is a lot more sensitive because she lost her sister and she kind of freaks out and doesn't even want to talk to the kids about death. And in a way that I could see Pam being and Lewis is very like, I'm a doctor. I deal with this all the time. Like, it's not a big deal. 
But then when it hits close to home, they kind of reverse in the way that you think they would handle it and that Lewis breaks apart. Yes. <laughs> like, that is a very good go point. On with his life. Right. <laughs> so I can kind of see that play out. Like I can see Pam being the one to be stronger if something I mean heaven forbid something like that should happen to these fictional characters (laughs) and I think that's something that could be discussed in the meeting uh how do we think people would like it um I think honestly it is a very disturbing horror book even kind of like I don't know about you but definitely for me um as a seasoned horror reader it's one of the scarier books uh that I have read And I think a lot of people would mention being upset by it. Erin would definitely mention that she liked the beginning when the family was just happy and everything was fine. (laughs) Angela is 100% okay with bringing the cat back, though. Yes. She also would have done it. Yes. I think Angela stands. Although I think she would have the same uh, picadillo as I do, where she's like, if you people would just keep your cat inside... (laughs) None of this would have happened and neutered him in the first place. (laughs) He's a tomcat. He wants to run around. (laughs) Laura? He doesn't know what he wants. He got hit by a truck. Oh, God. Can we say that? I think. But Lewis, (laughs) Lewis feels bad. He doesn't want to strip him of his manhood. (laughs) That is toxic. I was very very annoyed with Lewis reading this book. I know, like, really, like, when I uh, when I read it when I was much younger, I hadn't had any pets yet to speak of, and I didn't really know what I was talking about, but now I'm, like, I, I guess people don't know this, but I'm, like, involved in cat rescue, and I have a lot of cats, and I'm, like, I'm very into cats. <laughs> and... A true life Angela Martin. <laughs> no, because Angela <laughs> buys purebred cats, and I don't believe in that, but... Um, I was, like, so irritated. I was, like, nothing bad would have happened, man. Like, what did you think? Like, you bring him to a new territory and you just let him outside. You think it's going to be okay? I don't know. And, like, why was he not neutered in the first place? He would be maybe not acting the best. Um, it's not good for them. They're more prone to different types of cancers if they're unfixed. I mean, also, I do have to bring up the big strife of, like, the neighbors, like, you should definitely not do this. (laughs) But let me show you how it works anyway. Yes. And then, you know, Jim goes against the grain. (laughs) So that makes sense, too. We have to talk about the other half of the main couple. So let's talk about Pamela. Pamela Ding Dong. (laughs) Pamela. Pam. (laughs) Pam Burger and fries. (laughs) Don't call me Pammy. Anyway. Everyone is like, turned this off. (laughs) They turned it off 20 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) This is a podcast just for us. We're not even recording it. (laughs) We just wanted to have this very structured conversation. Oh, man. So for Pam, I was kind of torn where to go with this. I think I decided on The Changeling by Victor Laval because it's actually kind of similar to Pet Cemetery. It's like very Pet Cemetery adjacent in that it does uh, kind of open up with a man who thinks he has lost his son and his wife. And there are a few like scenes actually that I would say are kind of pet cemetery adjacent. It goes a very different way with it though. Gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
what I thought would be interesting, an interesting discussion from Pam's part is that it does talk about parenting in the modern age with social media and kind of the decision you have to make as parents, like putting your kid on there, you know, with or without their consent. And, you know, this is a, a whole new landscape that, you know, no other generation has really had to deal with. This is a, a new, new terrain. And I thought they could also have a discussion about fairy tales in this modern landscape. Uh, the changeling, obviously, talking about like the changeling lore from like European fairy tales. Not Struel Peter, the fairy tale. Struel Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think Dwight would come in and talk about like the fairy tales that he was brought up on, you know, the very dark, like German fairy tales and how they are good for children. And uh, Aaron would say, like, these are not like the fairy tales that she remembers, and she did not like it. <laughs> Maybe Aaron uh, went through something where uh, people concealed the more, like, dark and negative, like, not just in the, the Grimm's fairy tales way, but in, like, the, I think it's Phoebe from Friends type way. <laughs> Where they never tell her the end of the fairy tale, and or they never tell her the part that's like really dark. Yeah, she's definitely only heard the Disney version. Yeah, yeah, like of that. things that is like her preferred version is the the Disneyfied the Disneyfied clean version. Um, I'm trying to think how else anyone would think about this. Meredith might say, like, I wish someone took my kid away. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, I think that would <laughs> that would definitely come up. Um, and I think that a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of people in the book club would probably give it a decent review, but not be, you know, so offended by it as some of the other picks. Okay, so uh, one character we definitely needed to involve in this club was Creed. Um, and I thought about it for a little bit and I realized the only thing I could recommend would be The Emperor's Old Bones, which is a short story by Gemma Files. It's available online on Nightmare Magazine and I actually genuinely recommend it. Um, it is very disturbing, so trigger warnings for lots of things. Uh, but I think it's a great story and it really messed me up. So <laughs> I thought that he would pick it thinking, you know, it's free, it's readily available, it's short, what more could anyone want? And he would walk in ready to discuss it. And I think everyone would be very upset because of the upsetting content, um, which includes... Uh, cannibalism and uh, inappropriately aged relationships and stalking and a whole lot of other things. I think that the Ryan talking head, even for the internet, it's pretty shocking, could be reused for this one. And I, I also think there could be some crying. <laughs> Oh, there would definitely be crying. It's funny. I think uh, Oscar comes in and is very disgusted, but like is really trying to engage with it. And he's like, well, we could talk about the um, cycles of abuse in people and how people that experience, you know what? No, I can't. I can't do this. <laughs> and he would probably just walk out. 
Yeah, he would walk out. That's how I see it playing out in my head. He's like, no, no, I can't do this. What, what the hell was that, Creed? I think that Angela might call in sick that day. As well. Cannibalism is a sin, Laura. <laughs> you shouldn't joke about that. I do. I recommend it, though, um, if you're in for something pretty upsetting. It is about an author looking back on his life and someone who is very important to him and how uh, he wants to reprise that relationship, I guess you could say. Yeah. So Laura told me about this and I went and read it before recording this. And I just sent her a message that was like, WTF was that? (laughs) The story of my life with book recommendations. I also did rate it five stars on Goodreads (laughs) immediately after. (laughs) Why did you make me read that? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I think we should talk about... Miss Angela Martin. Yes. Okay. I went a very specific direction with Angela. And it's it's one of those, like, just, just work with me here. Okay? I know on the surface, it doesn't seem like it would be a good pick. And it would not be something that she would choose. But I think The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty would actually be really good for Angela. Um, it's actually got this very Catholic, old school kind of traditional worldview. Essentially, the priests are the good guys. And if you read the book, like, yeah, you're in Reagan's mom's POV. And she's kind of like peeping at the young uh, Father Karras. And she's like looking at his hot forearms. Like they're very like weirdly sexualized and like how hot and awesome they are. Which really comes through if you watch the series <laughs> that came out a few years ago. <laughs> I remember watching it and I'm like, these priests do have no business being this hot. And then I read the book and I'm like, actually, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> That's very much like the novel. It's what they were going um, for. Yeah. But it does have these old school values where like, you know, the worldly single mom lets her daughter get taken in by Ouija board demons and the hunky churchmen come in to save her. And she says, you know, when people try to make jokes about it, she does pull out her. You shouldn't joke about that. This is very serious stuff we are talking about here. Yes. Yeah. Do you think she would take it kind of like as a face value, like almost a face value story? (laughs) Yes. Okay. I didn't tell you this, but you know what other direction I was thinking about going with her? Oh, no. (laughs) She either went this or she picked those like moral panic, uh, like go ask Alice. Oh, Like Jay's diary by anonymous because those are like purportedly true. (laughs) There's one about Satanism. Um, I, Is that Jay's journal? Yes. Okay. I think that. Sorry, I don't want to top out the mic here, but yeah, that would have been a great one too. Um, so it's either of those. Yeah, and the the stories are like really outlandish and strange, but you can tell that they are written by a middle aged. Uh, I believe she is Mormon woman. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, uh, they're very much morality tale. I used to read those at Barnes and Nobles. Like I would grab them and like go hide in a corner and read them. And I'm just like, this doesn't seem like a teenager's diary. Exactly. I'm like, how, like she wrote everything down. Cause go ask Alice. I legitimately loved when I was younger, like as a, as a book 
that I was not even making fun of. And um, I was like, it's weird that she wrote all this down in like such a linear way where we can understand it. It's a good thing she didn't miss any days or whatever. Um, like right up to the end. <laughs> yeah, but I think people try to make light of it. And Angela is not taking part in that at all. She will not hear jokes about these. These are really big issues that are plaguing society. Yes. And that we should care more about them. Exactly. What if your kids fall into Satanism because they try marijuana? You know, it happens. <laughs> right. And I think Dwight would stand up for her, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, there's a lot of Jim look to the camera smirks. Yeah. And I think that Jim and Pam would kind of recuse themselves from the narrative. And if anyone else wants to kind of go to bat for you know what, this seems like a little much, then I think they would just let it happen. <laughs> okay, so obviously the head of this book club needs to contribute his own pick, and that would be Gabe. Um, and my idea was definitely American Psycho. <laughs> um, it is so extreme, just like the movies he likes to watch. I think that, to paraphrase what he said about Suspiria, the scene with the sex worker and the rat really pushes all your boundaries, and your preconceived notions of what horror can be come crashing down. Um, I think this book actually did uh, push my boundaries of what horror could be. I think that Gabe would like the long ramblings about music that are weirdly interjected into the book for no reason, or you know, reasons. Um, and I think he would buy the albums. And I think that Gabe actually kind of has some things in common with Patrick Bateman, who, in case you didn't know, Patrick Bateman is the protagonist of American Psycho. He's like a businessman um, who also is kind of going insane and seems to be torturing and killing people. Anyway... Uh, Gabe is not respected at work, and Bateman doesn't feel like he is respected at work. Um, Paul Owen gets this big account that he's very jealous of him about, and he just doesn't feel like he's getting the amount of acclaim that he should. Um, he's always trying to, you know, vie for clout or whatever, <laughs> and um, people don't listen to Gabe. And people really don't listen to Bateman, who doesn't really attempt to hide that he's killed people or other things that he's done. And he confesses this multiple times, but the people either seem to mishear him or they think he's telling a hilarious joke. <laughs> and they definitely don't think that he's being, like, serious. Um, I think that because of that, Gabe might say that he finds Patrick Bateman relatable but then the whole room would be like ah <laughs> and he would have to backtrack like immediately because he wouldn't be thinking of the serial killer parts he would just be thinking of you know the lifestyle I also think like Ryan would come in not read the book have watched the movie and be like one of those like Wolf of Wall Street bros that totally tries to just take the aesthetic from it and is like yes. all about Patrick Bateman. Yes, he would be he would be dressed like when he's dressed as Gordon Gecko for Halloween. Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and 
There's a character named Paul Owen in the book who's called Paul Allen in the movie, and I think he would call the character Paul Allen, and people would catch him in that way. That's how they would know. He cheated. So I think the book would be very unpopular. I think that more than half of the group would DNF it. In fact, maybe more like 75% because it's very, um, I don't know. I don't want to say inaccessible. Uh, You can access it, but it's very rambly and a lot of people don't like it. I think this causes Angela to Google how to ban a book. Like she wants to know who she has to talk to. (laughs) That should be something we pan to. I watched American Psycho probably when I was like 12. And this was coming after having a huge crush on Christian Bale from being sweet, like little Lawrence in Little Women. Um, And I was not prepared for that turnaround in character. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, like my older cousin was like 17, was like, oh, you like Christian Bale? Like, let me show you a cool Christian Bale movie. Wow. It was it was something. Well, I'm glad you didn't watch it in the theater like Blair Witch Project. (laughs) And um, that's like, uh, it kind of reminds me of when Pam accidentally rented 28 Days, uh, 28 Days Later, one one or the other, because she thought it was the other movie. Like, you're expecting this Yeah, 28 Days is like the rehab (laughs) comedy with uh, Sandra Bullock. Yes. And then she's like, well, I thought she would still show up. I don't know. So you're like watching it thinking... Maybe Christian Bale is just going to be sweet like Lori again. And then, boy, does like, it never oh, he's happen. Dating... <laughs> what? He's dating Reese Witherspoon. Yes. How cute. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. That is amazing. So I'm going to do one of my favorite characters. That is uh, Miss Kelly Rajanaganda Kapoor. Yes. There's a specific book that she picks because it has an adaptation. She wants to read something and treat herself to an adaptation after, much like myself. And I think (laughs) she picks Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. She takes the wrong idea from it, for sure. She takes notes on Amy's methods and really doesn't dig into the issues of the book. I think during book club, Pam tries to engage with the cool girl monologue and how women are expected to take on emotional labor in relationships and how those are a lot of Amy's issues with Nick and whether or not Amy is a feminist hero, because she's not. She's a very complicated character. And Kelly doesn't want to engage with any of these points. She kind of wants to use it to, like, passive-aggressively taunt Ryan. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, it's a (laughs) passive-aggressive threat in the air. Like, her husband cheated on her, so (laughs) he kind of deserves all of this stuff that he had coming to him. If he hadn't she done also, that, everything would have been fine. Yes, yeah, so she definitely wants to talk more about the David Fincher film than she does the book. And she 100% tries to sneak in. Uh, she definitely tries to talk about the fact that if you pause it at just the right time while Ben Affleck is in the shower uh, before she gets cut off <laughs> <laughs> by someone who does not want her to end that sentence. <laughs> But Meredith seems really excited and knows what she means. <laughs> like, do you have a timestamp for that? <laughs> so that is uh, what I think she would pick. It's readable. It's a really good thriller. Yeah. Um, I think you can really sympathize from kind of either angle in a certain way because they are both awful. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think that it might be a more popular pick just because it's so, um, I don't know, well written. A lot of people like it, I think. 
Yeah. Ryan is definitely team Nick and is, uh, I think he's scared in yes. his talking head. Yes. <laughs> <A lot of laughs> fear. <laughs> he's like, uh, like rubbing his hair like he did when he hooked up with her on February 13th. He's like terrified. <laughs> that uh, Kelly would definitely say that Amy seems like such a nice girl and she doesn't understand how someone so beautiful could be so sad for Meredith (laughs) Um, I tried to think of different ways this could be done but I really think that true to the character she would maybe misunderstand and think that her contribution for the month was just to bring steak and make apple teenies and she would drag all this food in and start setting it up and passing it out and someone would eventually ask her what her pick was, and she would just say, what pick? And I think that maybe this is, like, as the club grinds on, you know, and people are sick of doing this in the first place. Gabe doesn't even really have, like, the wherewithal to enforce it. And um, I think that possibly people were just going to BS their way through anyway and never really uh, realized that she never picked a book. And uh, there's maybe, like, a talking head where it implies that they asked Oscar, like, didn't didn't you even read it? And he was like, do you really think that any book that Meredith Palmer recommends is a good use of my time? Back to his, uh, I would love to analyze it, but I know there is no content. <laughs> exactly. That is one of my favorite underrated lines, and I've always <laughs> wanted to find, like, a gif of it or, like, a screen grab of it, and I cannot oh i'll make you i feel like i would use it i would use it (laughs) do it because i would use it there are so many like books or movies that i would be like i want to analyze it but i know there is no content yes that's a good one i'm surprised i haven't uh made that one for myself (laughs) sometimes if there's a very niche line i'll just find like a screenshot that's pretty close and i'll just put my own text over it So moving on to Phyllis Lappin Vance, I think originally she wants to go down the erotica route, uh, but doesn't find too many books there. Or doesn't find anything that really catches her eye. And then Oscar and other people complain that they haven't read any books in translation. They've all been English language books. So she feels like she has to branch out. So she picks Audition by Ryu Murakami. Because the premise kind of seems like a rom-com, like an old widower, he's lonely, and he kind of has this, his friend has this like goofy idea to, um, they're filmmakers, and to like set up these auditions, but he's actually like auditioning for a girlfriend, but you know, the woman doesn't know that, and she's like, that seems kind of cool, like a, seems kind of like quirky like a rom-com yeah and maybe this will have some spicy stuff in it she thinks yeah maybe um and she is not prepared for that ending (laughs) she is not prepared for (laughs) where the novel goes (laughs) she's definitely thinking it's just gonna be about the unorthodox way this couple got together and uh she definitely starts the meeting by just apologizing to everyone um (laughs) Gabe, on the other hand, is super excited. He does have the special edition Blu-ray. If anyone wants to borrow it, he even says, like, he'll do a showing in the conference room. And everyone says, no, they do not no, no want thanks. to partake of that. <laughs> I think that Kelly, again, is taking notes in front of Ryan to threaten him. Yes. <laughs> 
Angela is especially mad and using her, you know, kind of like um, dominating person powers to make Phyllis feel bad. I, I also feel like when she tries to go for the erotica, maybe she finds some stuff that kind of works too well and she can't really talk about it with her coworkers. Like, even she realizes, <laughs> like, this is too much when she reads, like, um, kissing the coronavirus or <laughs> whatever kind of weird erotica she finds on Kindle singles. <laughs> Yeah, she's double checking her Kindle to make sure like her settings are private and it's not sharing like updates on her Goodreads. <laughs> yes, because there is a lot of, you know, erotica that involves horror characters. But I think that she would go through a bunch of those and then realize, you know what, I can't bring You think these. she'd be into that like smashing the squash Sasquatch? <laughs> Maybe. Someone is, I don't right? know if that exists. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is definitely a Sasquatch one. I'm sorry. Yeah, to... I don't know if it's called smashing. The... <laughs> There's a cum for Bigfoot. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of a uh, a very niche. Um I I think they're niche. I don't know, maybe they're not. Maybe it's like the best sellers, but um I think It's a thriving market, yes. probably. She'd be like We're just not a part of it. Probably this is a this is a regular horror novel and she would realize, "Oh wait, you know, this is a little too private my enjoyment of this." And definitely not knocking anyone who uh does enjoy these books i'm just saying like you wouldn't want to discuss them with your co-workers <laughs> May or maybe you would i don't know so the thing about daryl philbin um in contrast to some of the other characters is that he actually reads books as we know from when he was going roller skating in the middle of the day with andy and bought a kindle so I think he would want to take the club seriously. In fact, so seriously that he actually comes up from the warehouse to do this. Um, I think he would suggest Frankenstein. And he has points prepared about the themes of dangerous knowledge and revenge and alienation. But he quickly realizes that most of his coworkers just know the Boris Karloff movie. And I think Kelly and Angela might get into an argument about whether the ending with villagers and pitchforks and torches is more romantic in Frankenstein or Beauty and the Beast. And unbeknownst to them, the book actually does not end that way. <laughs> um, and then there might be a greater argument about whether or not the book is a ripoff of Beauty and the Beast, which, of course, the movie, uh, the Disney movie, was you know, much later than Frankenstein. And uh, Daryl sadly picks up his visual aids from the easel and quietly leaves. And uh, Daryl confesses to the film crew and a talking head that he should have known that no book could make him identify more with alienation than these people. I also think like Oscar is like chomping at the bit, ready to correct someone who calls the monster Frankenstein. Yes. Like he's like ready to be like, actually it's Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein was the doctor. <laughs> or like, like he preemptively corrects like Meredith's espresso, espresso. <laughs> and she said it right. <laughs> yes. He like just sorry, jumps in when Daryl is like, okay, so we all read Frankenstein and Oscar is like, Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. And Daryl is like, okay. Ryan and Jim just read spark notes. Yes. In fact, I think a lot of people did. Although, I also recommend this book um, in a serious sense. I think it's uh, very readable and uh, good. 
I'm going with one of my favorite late additions. Actually, probably my favorite like late addition to the show. That is my girl, Erin Cannon. Oh, yes, Erin. So she has a hard time with this because, as we know, she's not a big Halloween person. I know you didn't watch the later seasons, but there is that episode where Andy puts her in charge of the Halloween party. I think, no, it is the same episode where, where Ryan California comes in. And um, <laughs> Ryan California? Wow. Robert California's. <laughs> like, does he have a brother? Son- <laughs> Robert California's son makes fun of Aaron for having like kitty decorations and so she keeps trying to be like more and more hardcore (laughs) is that how Um, she ends up in that really scary costume i don't remember how that happened i don't think so that's the one where she has like the the deck of cards with like penises (laughs) (laughs) and uh then gabe she puts on this very like upsetting movie that gabe made (laughs) oh god so anyway Knowing Erin and her bubbly personality, she would want to pick something that is like fun and kind of lighthearted, but still is within the parameters of the book club. So I think she picks My Best Friend's Exorcism because it doesn't sound scary and it's a very colorful book and it is probably like the best book I think to balance like a fun good time with like legit scary parts with Aaron, which Aaron did not like. Oh, totally agreed. It is a lot of fun. It's very fun. And I think Aaron would relate to Abby having to be an adult and going the extra mile for like a best friend. Yes. Exactly. I think is something that she would relate to a lot. And I think for the book club, she does dress up all 80s and absolutely no one else joins in. Like she comes in with like a crazy side ponytail and like neon jewelry. Yes. <laughs> like, no one else is in on Maybe she could borrow some of Gabe's like Lady Gaga um, elements, some of his jewelry pieces and stuff for that. And I think this one, uh, this book is probably the biggest hit all around for the book club. And except I think Angela will point out that there was nothing wrong with Gretchen's parents or their methods. Yes, exactly. Issues that they had with, <laughs> with Gretchen. Okay, so uh, Stanley, I know, likes things that are short and sweet. I think that maybe he would notice twilight uh in his daughter's room because he saw the apple and he was hungry anyway i think he might find himself intrigued by the story and i know that kelly would be really excited about that pick as would kevin (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly i think that he would enjoy learning the mythology behind the cookbook i think so too i could see him yeah like just bringing it in because it was available and then like actually enjoying it because it is like if you've never read twilight it is like a very readable book it (laughs) is one of those books that you like start and you're like wait how did i read 300 pages already (laughs) (laughs) yeah i remember like um it is very you get very far into it and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) i was just gonna see what this was like all right so moving on to probably like one of my most underrated characters in the series that is my man oscar martinez yes and as we know from the finer things club he would take this seriously i think he would pick something that is classic and that we can have a discussion about so i think he would go with the haunting of hill house by shirley jackson um 
he wants to engage in highbrow literature analysis, but this is just not the Finer Things Club. Kelly and Ryan just watched the crappy Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones movie and are bringing up stuff that doesn't happen in the book. Like she tries to ask like when Owen Wilson gets decapitated. Um, <laughs> and people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Kelly sadly doesn't get to congratulate Oscar on learning more about his culture because I don't think she picked up on the lesbian subtext, uh, especially from that movie. No. Michael tells him he didn't have to go along with the white majority. He could have picked one of his Mexican classics <laughs> because Mexicanity is what defines Oscar. But Oscar asks him to suggest one of which one of the classics he's referring to. And of course, Michael can't. No way. Yeah, that would be a good pick. How do you think people would react to it? I think the Halperts would read it. The Halperts would read it. I think Jim would want more from it because it kind of, I don't think he would like the ending. I think he wanted more like overt horror. Yeah. Um, but I think Pam really likes the themes of like isolation and really connects, like really feels with Nellie. Yeah. Really connects to Nellie as a character. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She is kind of a Nellie. Who do I, what do I think Andy would bring? I know he definitely wanted to be in the Finer Things Club. And I think he would want to flex his Cornell muscles and talk about some like horror lit class he took. Um, so I think he brings in Lovecraft. And I think Daryl wants to talk about Lovecraft's racism. And Oscar wants to be the middle of the road person that wants to acknowledge the racism, but also acknowledge that he contributed to the horror genre in general pop culture. People keep wanting to know what the actual horror was and they look to Andy for answers and he can't answer it. And he's kind of getting frustrated with everyone because that is kind of the point of Lovecraft. And I will say uh, most people were bored and DNF'd it as I have the many times I have tried to read Lovecraft. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hate to um, hate to break some hearts, but uh, not my favorite, unfortunately. Okay. So... We thought about Ryan. We gave it some real thought. Um, even though it has been discussed on the podcast before, uh, I think multiple times, I think that we decided that the only right thing to do would be to make it House of Leaves. Yeah, it's the only answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> especially the uh, the kind of um, hipster stage Ryan. And I'm saying that as someone who loves the book. Um, I think that Ryan would not actually read it. He would just watch a video review on the book and he knows no one would be able to tell the difference because I think he would probably kind of look at it and be like, none of these people are going to actually go through the effort to read this. Um, and I also thought about how one day he admitted he didn't really go to Thailand's, you know, I thought maybe one day he would admit, I never read House of Leaves. Um, and to justify it, I think he would say that Mark Z. Danielewski has a really specific idea of how the book should be read. And he's such a perfectionist that he'd rather not do it at all than do a bad job. <laughs> I think that most people would probably not finish it and would kind of show up asking him, like, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but um, he would kind of use his, I guess, limited experience in college to <laughs> kind of um, try to talk above their level and make them feel stupid for not understanding it when really they just didn't finish it and neither did he 
I think so. This is one of Gabe's favorites, though. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think Gabe would have actually shown up having read it and asked Ryan questions that he can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that Ryan would come back with things like, you know, it's about the horror of the everyday existence of the American family. And he brings up things like having an SUV with three rows of seats and other things that Kelly likes or aspires to, you know, that he thinks the book is commenting on because he doesn't want to have that kind of mundane existence. I think there should also be footage of Aaron taking it like very seriously and like literally holding the book up to a mirror and like holding it upside down and just like (laughs) really trying to figure it out and being like, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. (laughs) And it's like, you can see it at reception. It's full of like post-it flags and stuff like that, where she's like really trying to figure it out. But like Gabe will not give her any answers. All right. That is our chat on what characters we think would pick. (laughs) What these characters would bring to a horror book club. You're welcome. Do we have any chilling obsessions? Um, my chilling obsession right now, uh, yes, it's a little tangential, but there is a show called, or a mini series called Love Fraud, which is about a guy named Richard Scott Smith, who, not Scott Smith, the author of The Ruins, but a different guy, who is um, like dating and marrying and starting restaurants with all these different women and it's really he's not really taking money from them in any significant way it's just like um a very uh very messed up kind of true crime ish case where the women are all mad about this and they're trying to like find him and for the things that he has done that are illegal they're trying to um get him basically there's a bounty hunter involved um i think her name is bonnie i don't remember but she's very cool um and she does not want uh any of this to go unpunished she's very determined to get this guy um the reason i watched it was because there's a newer case right now where this guy named jason collier did something very similar but he was actually like married to more of them and um had kids with them and it really wasn't for financial gain it was just kind of a weird true crime situation so i saw people posting about this and i tried to like track down the original post where like he got called out and it was just like this thread of like bouncing all over the place yes (laughs) and was this guy they were posting these little videos that he made to send you know to them to just be like hey honey you know whatever whatever like from his cop car because this guy was a cop i'm like how do you have time to to do this (laughs) um i don't know i don't even have time to do that with my partner like one person let alone (laughs) the many people that he was with so i thought it was really fascinating and i had to get some closure by watching you know something that's been more nailed down so my chilling obsession i watched the movie the brood uh on hbo max it was directed by a little known canadian director uh david cronenberg people may have heard of him (laughs) (laughs) 
this is like a Criterion Collection movie, like yeah, <laughs> um, that I finally got around to watching, and I'm really glad that I did. It was very much the April Ludgate. Like it's so gross. I love it. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't let the Criterion label put you off this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it's so weird. It opens up with like these two men, like um. It, it kind of seems like a theater and that's like, it seems like kind of a local theater. Like there are these two men kind of reciting this dialogue. And one of them is like, daddy, like you were so mean to me. Like, why were you like this to me? And he was like, because I was disappointed in you. And I'm like, this is some weird, like local theater. Okay. But like, sure. And then it turns out that it's, it's, um, this psychiatrist's like it's part of his therapy like this weird like role-playing like let's work out your like mommy and daddy issues through role-playing and like inpatient therapy um it's kind of hard to like go into what it's about but there's like a custody battle and a lot of dead bodies start turning up and of course it's david cronenberg so mucho body horror wow (laughs) that's my reaction wow (laughs) yeah it's like it ramps up to like a bonkers ending that was just like what in the world is happening i love it (laughs) oh david cronenberg i'm glad you got to experience that thank you (laughs) (laughs) all right laura i think is this the first time you're getting to pick a final girl song? Getting to. I've had anxiety about this since you first mentioned it because I haven't <laughs> been on the podcast since then. Okay. Um, I know I'm going to change my mind or I'm going to think of something else as soon as I actually say it. My first thought was um, Hang the DJ by the Smiths, but I went to like confirm it by watching the music video and like Morrissey looks so stupid like floppy and stupid like dancing around my idea was that it could cover like multiple scenarios like if I just got freaked out and ran away or if I was fighting back but um I have decided that no it needs to be the big sky by Kate Bush and not the meteorological remix the original one from Hounds of Love I'm not familiar with this. Well, when you put it on the playlist, you'll be like, oh boy, someone else had to to just move the tone all over the place again. (laughs) Um, It's kind of a song about, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be about anything, but about not understanding Kate Bush, like, on her original albums and... um, I don't know. I just thought of all the artists to represent me. I did consider Dancing on My Own by Robin... But I was like, it really has to be an up-tempo Kate Bush song. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. You know what song, like, I've been thinking about? What? That would be good. Is Gimme, Gimme, Gimme by ABBA. Like, Gimme a Man After Midnight. That would be gimme, amazing. Gimme <laughs> I did think and about ABBA. I genuinely considered it. <laughs> they have a lot of final girl energy. And I keep thinking of, like, Samara Weaving in Mayhem, like, with sunglasses and a nail gun. And in my, like, scene for this, the, like nail gun is like timed to like the beat drops of like gimme 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 oh my god that would be so good i even feel like their slower ones could work like yeah they as a band have a lot of final girl energy yes i love abba 
All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode. If you are an Office <laughs> fan out there, here, please thank you. <laughs> indulge in our fan fiction universe and tell us what other books you think people would pick and how they would react and what you think about our picks. <laughs> and more people work at Dunder Mifflin, uh, Dunder Mifflin slash uh, Saber. So if you have any more picks that you can think of, we just didn't have time to do more. <laughs> So as always, Laura, thank you so much for joining me on my like weird (laughs) themed episodes that I always want to do. It is an honor as always. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. There's also a Facebook group if you would like to join that. Also, check out the socials this week because I might be posting some Office trivia. I know there's a lot of Office fans that listen to this podcast. And not to brag... But I did place second place in a local bar office trivia night. So mm, I kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm totally kidding. I mean, I did. I was not kidding about that. Um, It was pretty intense. It went into multiple tiebreaker rounds. And I feel like the question that I lost on was a little unfair. Totally fine. I've gotten over it. It does not keep me up at night in any way. But anyway, um, check out Instagram and Facebook. Um, I will be posting some trivia questions. If you like the podcast and you would like to support it, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. We have a one, three, and a $5 level. There's a lot of fun perks there. Check it out. You can get early episodes. You can know what topics uh that I'm covering in advance. You can join in on group chats and movie nights and all kinds of fun stuff. So be sure to check that out at patreon.com. Another way you can support the podcast is by using our Amazon link. And essentially, you just use it like you would normally use Amazon. You would just go Mm -hmm. there using our link, which will be in the show notes. And I will say my favorite thing purchased using that affiliate link these last two weeks was a nitro cold brew coffee maker. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about how that's made. Um, But it looks very snazzy and it'll look very cool on someone's countertop. And I hope it does. I hope it looks very nice on your countertop. But you don't have to spend any money to support the show at all. In fact, my love language is words. So if you just want to throw some nice words at me, I would love that. If you would like to do that in the form of like an official podcast review, I think that would be best. Um, I personally am not the best at taking compliments, but I do enjoy reading them. And not only do I enjoy it, it actually helps the podcast. We get a lot more visibility and essentially it would help the podcast grow if more people had eyes on it. So every time you post a rating or a review or you share it um, like on episode drop day, I really appreciate all of that. I love like thank you so much to all of you. Every time someone's looking for a book podcast and you mention us like anything like that is all super helpful. And thank you all so much that have taken the time to do that. I am Stephanie. You can find me at Lady underscore Ganya on Twitter. That is L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that is That's With Two A's. Because yes, even my Instagram office handle is technically an office reference. Um, Anyway, (laughs) 
thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know I had a lot of fun making it, um, and I hope you did. I hope you had a lot of fun listening to it. See you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 